You're stupid too as I You're stupid too as I You'll never live You'll never die Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back to the Better Off Dead Minute podcast, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Better Off Dead, one glacial minute at a time. We're your hosts, Curtis Blaze from thesacknews.com. And Jason Hummel from Mondo Confidential. Today we are examining Minute 11, which starts with... Starts with Beth throwing uh, Lane's picture in the trash. And ends with Roy disappearing behind a snowbank as he skis the dreaded K-12. What's the first thing that stands out to you about this minute? Well, uh, Beth refers to the time that uh, Lane got sick on the chairlift and threw up on some guy's hat. From back in minute six. Yes. When he was telling his dad about the same incident. Yeah, and she says that she... Wants to wait till after tryouts to tell uh, Lane that uh, she's dumping him for Roy so he doesn't yak on the guy's hat, which I think is considerate of her. It is kind of nice of her, actually. <laughs> Although I don't think it would have helped him much. No. Or hurt him much had she dumped him prior to the tryout. The thing that gets me about this is as she's talking to the person, she's so ruthless. She just throws, she, she finishes the phone call, gets up, and throws Lane's picture right in the garbage. Pretty brutal. And then, weirdly, like, takes the framed photo of Roy that she now has and seems to take it with her. You know, we've seen Lane do it, and now we've seen Beth do it. I think in this world, teenagers carry around framed pictures of their boyfriends and girlfriends. <laughs> like, if you go to class... Stuffed underneath their books, everyone's going to have a frame of someone that they're dating. A, a framed 8x10 headshot. <laughs> yeah. Teacher looks over and they're all, like, peeking. Well, I wonder, because you grow up in this world, so in this alternate universe where everybody does this, maybe dad and mom carry around framed pictures of each other, too, to work and stuff. <laughs> so after Beth gets done telling unknown person on the phone that she's going to dump Lane for Roy... We cut to an ominous-looking mountain. And this mountain is rough-looking. It, it looks like they went and filmed some mountain in the Rockies. And uh, that's standing in for something in the... I guess it'd be the Sierra Nevadas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very snowy. Very rough. Very gnarly. Lots of wind on top of this mountain. Blowing snow around. Not conditions you would normally ski in. No. And also, the establishing shot... In the establishing shot, there are no ski slopes visible. It just looks like a rough mountain in the middle of the wilderness. Full of rocks, tree lines, nothing groomed looking. Don't see any ski lifts or evident paths going down the mountain where you would ski. So when Roy is standing on the top of the mountain, he's getting ready to uh, ski the K-12. The music on the soundtrack is... Like a synthy 80s version of uh, also Spike Zarathustra, which is uh, most famous as the 2001 theme. The, uh, da, 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 da. You had to finish it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, Jason, I looked to try to figure out who did the incidental music, and I could not find a listing for that. Maybe it was just 
Hein himself. Yeah, it says uh, on uh, Wiki here that uh, there were only two tracks that didn't have uh, Hein on it are the two songs done by Elizabeth Daly. So that would suggest... Oh my God, Elizabeth Daly. Yeah. Why is that ringing a bell? Uh, Valley Girl. um, Done a lot of cartoon voices, too. Was she Pee-wee's girlfriend? Yes. Oh my God. That's right. She's the singer in this. Was mm-hmm. she a singer? Yeah. Was she primarily a singer before she was an actress? Um, I mostly uh, know her singing here. I, I'm not sure if she had like, uh, I know, yeah, I'm not t- totally sure if she had like albums or anything before this. I love her. I can't wait to get to her minute or minutes. We'll find out. Yeah. The dance. So let's talk about this sign. There's a sign at the top of the mountain. And the sign says something like K-12 danger. Yes. Piece of cardboard? <laughs> Piece of cardboard on a, on a plastic uh, PVC pipe? Is that what it looks like to you? Yeah. Or, or it's made out of like oh. license plate metal. I'd buy license plate metal. Okay. Here's the image of it. It says K-12. It's got a danger. It says danger. It's got a skull and crossbones. And a downward arrow. <laughs> this does not look like a groomed the groomed top of a slope. Do you do you ski? Nope. You don't ski. If there's something this high up the mountain and you're not dropped off by a helicopter, meaning that there's a ski lift going up to it, there would be some kind of indication that you're at the top of a slope. There would be gates or something, you know. Indicating that this is the where, where the slope is. Yeah. I mean, there is the sign. I'll give them that. Yeah. But you, you should be able to see the chairlift. Well, of course, right after this, we do a cut to uh, Lane and Beth and... Charles Damar. Charles, a new character, talking about how he's the, how this guy, Roy, is the only one who's ever skied this from Greenfield... Greendale. Greendale, sorry. And survived. Which is... Well, that's interesting. They've, they've got a sign. It's a named slope. And everybody from their town who's ever tried to ski it has died. Everybody. Yeah. He is literally the only person who has not died skiing this ski slope. <laughs> like, okay. Eh, there's one guy from the next county, from Chickensaw County, the next county over, who lived once when he skied it. <laughs> But they have some way for people to regularly get up to the top of this thing without a helicopter. Surely they don't have steps, so they've invested some infrastructure. So that makes me wonder, like back in 1978, they're building the ski resort. And they're like, let's, let's spend a half a million dollars putting a ski lift all the way up to the top of this mountain. Which isn't an unusual thought. And then after they get it up there, people start dying. It's just the the slopes are dripping with blood of dead skiers who attempted the K-12. <laughs> Looks like Jaws up there, man. But they haven't closed it. It's still open. You can still just totally go up there at will. <laughs> Nobody has lived, but you can just still totally go up there and, and ski it if you want. And they're holding ski team tryouts on it. <laughs> okay, so me not having the benefit of having watched the movie lately just going through it one minute at a time to be that guy. Do they 
do the tryouts on this slope? Yeah. Is it, that must be like in the next minute? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody has survived skiing down the slope, and we're just going to go ahead and have the tryouts there. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love this movie. <laughs> Yeah, there's no, I don't think there's any mention of like the bunny slope or anything like that. Well, and then the thing is, too, as he comes down the mountain, this is not a groomed slope at all. It's very rough. There's, he's got to like thread the needle between outcrops of rock. The snow hasn't been skied on, it's not packed down, it hasn't been nothing. It's just rough snow, like you would find adventure skiers skiing on off the top of mountains in Alaska. Until he gets about halfway down. And then it becomes a regular ski slope with gates and nice packed snow and everything. <laughs> so in your research for this minute, were you able to find uh, the names of stuntmen who participated in this movie? Well, we found the one guy. Um... Well, yeah, I found one guy. I don't have his name right now who later on will be Lane's skiing double. Yeah. But did you find any? Because I'm asking because I couldn't find anybody for Aaron. For the actor Aaron... Um, Dozier. Dozier. I wonder if he did his own skiing. Now, taking into account that it really isn't the K-12, and nobody really has died trying to ski it, it's probably, for an expert skier, a pretty easy slope, what yeah. they show us. And he is an expert skier, because we know that after making a movie and playing a part in a TV show, he went off to be the ski coach for the Boston Ski Team. Which I assume their their team is probably okay. Yeah, but um, as he's skiing down, his hat is like really low down and tight to his face, and so are his goggles. So he kind of looks like Spider Man. You can't really make out his face. Yeah, that's always a little suspicious when movies do that, suggesting that maybe it is a double or a stunt man. Well, once again, we've we've hit a wall, <laughs> and we may never know. But what's life without a little mystery? Did you notice the weather? Uh, as he's skiing. Yeah, it kind of fluctuates from the top to the bottom. It's either a very, very long slope, or there's some continuity problems with the with the skiing scenes. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, at the top of the mountain, it's sunny and clear, even though just before, in the establishing shot, we could see snow blowing off the peaks. It would yeah. have been It would have been just horrible up there. It would have been windy. It would have been foggy. Not foggy, but very hazy. Yeah. But he's standing in the clear open sunshine. But then as he comes down the mountain, you get... Or, no. Okay. Do you remember the scene where they show... Where the where they're looking down the slope? Yeah. Okay. So, did you get the impression that was hazy or blizzardy? Hmm. Not really. What was your impression of that shot? Seemed pretty clear. Did it? Well, I might be remembering it wrong. And then they show Lane, Beth, and Charles. and Charles at the bottom of the slope watching him ski. And for them, it's actively snowing. You see the snowflakes hitting him. Yeah. And it's very overcast. Yeah. And then you cut back to Roy skiing, and it's bright and sunny again. Yeah. And then the next scene of Roy, it's overcast and cloudy. And then as we leave the scene, it's sunny again, and he disappears behind a snowbound. Yeah. I think he's about to dramatically pop up over it in a big ramp, but what do I know? I haven't seen the next minute yet. <laughs> <laughs> this minute marks the first appearance of actor Curtis Armstrong playing the character Charles DeMar, Lane's best friend. 
And Curtis Armstrong has had a very notable presence in movies that I've seen over the years. Me what too. are your What are your favorite roles that he has done? Well, he was Ack Ack in One Crazy Summer, and of course he was Booger in the, the Revenge of the Nerd movies. One of the surprising things I learned was that he was Goov in Clan of the Cave Bear. Have you seen Clan of the Cave Bear? Many, many donks ago. Uh, I don't. I have to admit that the only time I ever watched it, I was drunk on a six pack of Bush Light and an entire bottle of Plum Mad Dog. (laughs) I was seeing double. (laughs) And then I got sick in the middle of it. And so you were seeing two Daryl Hannahs. For some reason, I'm like picturing him in that Ringo Starr caveman movie instead of Clan of the Cave Bear. I know, right? Yeah. So Goove, Goove in Clan of the Cave Bear was chosen was chosen as an acolyte to when he was a small boy to assist the Mogur in preparations for proto religious ceremonies. So he was a sidekick in that movie too. <laughs> oh my God, this guy! Well, there we go, Curtis Armstrong, everybody. Well, so we end off the minute with Roy skiing. Did we ever answer the question about the glacier? No. There's a part later on, not later on, in this minute, where Beth says that he's the first. It's rumored that Roy is the only person from Greendale that ever skied the K-12 from the glacier and lived. Are there glaciers in the Sierra Nevada mountains? Hmm. I mean, I guess there could be tiny glaciers, you know, sheets of ice that grow and move around. Yeah. Right? Possibly. To Wikipedia! <laughs> there are more than 1,700 snow or ice bodies located in California. Seven of these are larger than a kilometer. 20 of these glaciers have been named. Seven on Mount Sashta, 13 in Sierra Nevada. Well, there we go. Well, Wikipedia says yes, there are definitely glaciers. Something I was not expecting to find. So skiing the K-12 from the glacier. What this tells me is that Film-wise, this is a pretty accurate depiction of what's going on. He's obviously coming down very rough snow, the glacier. Yep. And then the K-12 must be the groomed part of it that he hits when he gets halfway down and it becomes gates and packed snow and stuff. So he's skiing the K-12 from the glacier. Yeah. Well, and thus ends the minute with Roy getting to the end of his ski run down the K-12. Jason, you got any other thoughts about this minute? Well, I don't know. I was just thinking about how much I like Curtis Armstrong. Um, guy had a real charisma, you know. Is one of those that guys where you go, you're watching a movie and you go, oh, hey, that guy, this is going to be good. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, he has a real presence in everything he's in. Yeah. And he's, well, he's one of those guys, he's not like Kuzak. But there's still an element of if this guy has chosen to be in a thing, it's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. Plus, when he's on screen, he has this range. He has this range that he can play. He isn't just stuck being one thing. Yeah. What was funny about him in the '80s is that he always seemed to be about thirty. Yeah. There was always this element of uh, high school. <laughs> yeah. Well, as he says, you know. He's been in high school for seven, eight years, and he's no dummy. Okay, if you were in high school for eight years, what age would you be? You end high school at 18, you start high school, therefore, at 14. Yeah. And so you would be 22. Yep. 
22 years old. In Iowa, you're kicked out at age 21. <laughs> oh, isn't the line, he's no dummy? Is he, He's talking about dating high school girls, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. You know, because of that guy, I had a very brief attention-seeking phase in which I was inspired to try snorting things like he did. <laughs> I have tried Jello. <laughs> I have tried coffee grounds, <laughs> salt and pepper. You know what the street value of coffee grounds is, man? <laughs> it's primo. Now I just have a whole can of it sitting in the back. <laughs> I don't appreciate it properly as an adult. <laughs> well, it sounds like we have wrung every little bit that we can out of this minute. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And uh, remember, if you want to find us, we're at betteroffdeadminute.com, which is our Facebook page. You can email us at bodminute at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at bodminute. Or you can voice or text us at 712 712- Eight three zero seven three seven three. We'd really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and leave us a uh, five star review, so it makes it easier for our other fans of Savage Siege Holland's movies to find us. And if you could retweet us, share us on Facebook, like any of that would be very helpful. We're just a lonely podcast trying to make it in the world. Thanks as always to the Star Wars Minute guys, Alex and Pete. I'm especially appreciative of the guys over at the Indiana Jones Minute. Pete, Gary, and Tom, they're inspiring to me. And really getting some new favorites over at the Fifth Element. Crystal particularly is uh, very energetic and inspiring. But John also is a great foil for her. I always look forward to hearing those guys. I'll end the same way I started. Good Monday, and see you tomorrow for Minute 12. <laughs>